you're listening to the Missouri Realtors Podcast. Join us as we deliver an in-depth analysis of industry news while speaking with industry experts on their successes and failures. Along the way, we'll also share strategies and practices to help you become a more successful realtor. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Missouri Realtors Podcast. I have two amazing gentlemen here with me today, Will Klein and Derek Schreiber. We are going to be um, giving you some of the highlights of the um, the summit that we went to last week called C5, and it was in conjunction with CCIM, so everything commercial. So we are going to unpack it for you today, rapid fire. So here we go, gentlemen. Where do Where do we want to kick off? Well, they kicked off the summit with uh, with a pretty neat uh, uh, fighter pilot session. And uh, um, does that one jump out to you guys as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, so they it's flawless execution was the title of that. And what I loved is that you think of Blue Angels and you think, oh, my gosh, like everything is just on point perfect like everything looks amazing and beautiful and and i like an eye-opener for me is they were talking about how they debrief after every um show that they do and they said in 64 years of shows they have never had a perfect show i'm like what seriously but they they like challenge themselves to to find something that they could perfect and make even better after every single show. And it's like, it's not like, hey, Derek, you really messed that up. Or Will, you probably could have made that turn a little tighter. It's just, hey, in this move, looking at the film, this this plane did this. And if we were to tweak it this way. So it's not, it's nobody's bad. Like there's no like throwing anybody under the bus. They call it rankless and nameless. And it's just like, these things happened. How do we fix those? So, of course, it gets my brain like real estate teams and even our association like we get to debrief with each other all the time and be like, hey, this is how I did the transaction. And it's not like, oh, yeah, you you stay. No, that's exactly right. One of the notes that I had. One of the notes I had on uh, on that particular thing was it's not uh, who's right. It's what's right. And it's getting the right decision made uh, for the better of the group, not just for that individual. And sometimes that means you need to realize you could have improved in that situation and and, and made that situation better because you improve the next time you're there. And uh, I just thought it was a really neat thing, too. And to have that collective balance where both or all people in the meeting are saying, hey, uh, you know, this or that could have been just a little better. Not that anything was wrong, but it's that constant improvement that leads to near perfection uh for a group like that yeah i was going to add too it's, it's and what a cool cult- when you have you have to have that kind of level of trust with each other to be able to have that kind of candor as well and and the candor yeah is, you've got to be willing to be really honest with each other so i, I really love that part yeah. well that's what i was going to say the culture that you have to create for you to just say hey that was my bad i could have done that better like I, I'm just, I was that, that really like the kickoff of that, having that be one of the first things we talked about was, was super awesome. All right. So hit me with another topic. What do you got? Yeah, so w- even within that one session, the other note that I really took away um, was the idea of task saturation um, and how 
they go through a process where they get absolutely overloaded with tasks to the point that they fail and they realize that's the moment um, where you realize your capabilities and that puts you in uh, your rank uh, in a way. And then you go to a meeting where your rank doesn't matter as long as you're good enough to be there and a part of the team, uh, you get to have input just like the guy who scored and was able to handle five more tasks than you. Um, there was a video they showed um, where it was like what it's like to be in the cockpit of a fight, uh, a fight, a uh, one-on-one -on -one fight. And uh, it was fascinating to, uh, they have all these gadgets and they learn how to use all the gadgets. But lo and behold, in the middle of a duel, uh, they are craning their neck upwards and backwards and around to keep their eye on the target. And they don't use any other tools to do that. They have to be prepared to use the tools with what their mind's seeing in that moment. And that was borderline sickening to watch them have to wrap themselves around in such a cube. Um, but it was fascinating how, um, you know, through that task saturation, they were prepared to handle not just what they're seeing, but use all the tools with a lack of any, lack of uh, oxygen, a, a deep breathing and handling G's that are up to nine G's of your uh, gravity weight. And it was just, yeah, it was a very moving session, very powerful. Well, and how many times do we take our eye off of the mission? <laughs> so like, if, if I don't know where my enemy is and the is ourselves thinking bigger than we did yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will, yeah. what was your your favorite session? Um, probably the one we talked about revitalizing spaces. So it's called Exploring the Adaptive Reuse Revolution in Commercial Real Estate. And, and we actually had a session like this with Missouri Realtors three or four years ago. And of course, you know, going forward this year, I'd love to have another session like that and really um, help our commercial practitioners see what they talked about here. But it's just, it's kind of revitalizing locations. You know, where I'm at this part of the state, uh, Chesterfield Mall. And a lot of us probably have malls in our area that are unfortunately dying or wherever state they are. And there's great multi-use going on with that, including housing. And even the green space they have next to it is amazing. They call it Central Park, just beautiful. And, and it's really created a whole new atmosphere where there was kind of a dead zone in Chesterfield. So it's kind of neat to see that. But again, something I'd love us to, you know, bring back and just help smaller cities figure out what they can do with buildings that aren't being used anymore. I've seen some really neat things with churches. Even Atlanta turned an old church into an incredible music venue now. So I think Derek was uh, enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, me and Will might have had a social evening where we went and checked out said venue. Uh, it was very neat. And it was definitely adapted use um, where they took something and uh, created a three floor, um, you know, concert venue and it was very neat experience um but yeah you know that's that session stood out to me as well because it's been talked about for a while um nar's had some policy stances that we wanted to encourage tax credits on these readapted or adaptive use projects um and that's neat to see finally a few years later um some of those have been used and uh, properties being changed from whether it be one type of commercial use to um, you know, adapting it to a modern use uh, that we see moving forward. And then you also have the idea of taking full commercial spaces, offices uh, are um, based on this summit as well as last year's summit, office spaces on the decline. And those are great opportunities to re, re uh, adaptive reuse to make those into either mixed use or uh, residential units to help our uh, inventory issues. Um, we've seen these adaptive reuses in our market. And uh, as I was sitting there, I was like, Oh, we've, yeah, we've seen that. Oh, yeah, we've actually done that. 
Um, we've seen a few of our clients um, pick up a property, um, you know, whether it was an existing restaurant that could be moved into something other, uh, other another type of demand that was in our market, um, or uh, you know, just making sure that um, this type of unit can be turned into uh, mixed use, um, where an old school was maybe turned into office spaces, um, common spaces, as well as uh, residential units. So um, we've actually seen some of these uh, examples they were using, and it helped me <laughs> remind myself we're actually seeing it in our small rural town here in Missouri as well. So uh, yeah, a very eye-opening uh, meeting. Uh, and the one other session that really um, kind of jumped out to me and got my my cogs turning uh, was the idea there was a, a session on film. Uh, and how uh, film uh, can be a huge economic development tool uh, for states or communities to encourage movies to be um, filmed on site within your community uh, and making sure there's actual uh, full-blown film studios um, throughout uh, the country because the cost of doing that in Hollywood right now is um, grown exponentially um, and ultimately uh, Atlanta, uh, that's ultimately what the session was about was how Atlanta has in Georgia as a state has encouraged um, to, through tax structures um, and tax credits uh, to develop these spaces to be used for filmmaking. Um, and I was sitting there thinking and people had brought up the Ozarks and they're like, yeah, Ozarks was filmed in Missouri, right? And we're like, no, actually it wasn't. Uh, it was filmed in a different state because Missouri didn't have these types of incentives to try to launch a program like that. Um, and so I checked into it and lo and behold, Missouri within the last year uh, has has changed their stance through uh, some legislation that made it through the House and Senate um, to ultimately provide incentives to host film uh, production uh, back here in Missouri. So uh, I once seeing that, I said, what can we do to help encourage that or ultimately see if we can find some uh, properties that could uh, be utilized for these tax credits and uh, provide something unique and hopefully a positive impact for Missouri. And that's been a huge windfall for Atlanta, for Missouri, or I mean, sorry, for Georgia. Um, the amount of just, you know, income generated for their state and their tax revenue and all that stuff has been great by doing that. Uh, one of the sessions I was going to say that kind of married up with the um, readaptive use of things was the kind of the future of retail. Um, and, I, and what we've seen is it's actually a lot more, there's been a growth in small business retail, like entrepreneurs. We're seeing a much bigger growth of that. And the other kind of fell into that mixed use is when people take a larger property and create um, like those co-working spaces. We've seen a growth in that for sure. And it's funny, there are still people that want an office, they just don't want giant office buildings. So when you can split it up and then you can share services to make it more economical, you basically create an incubator. And those incubators, uh, we've seen a lot of growth of that, um, I think throughout the state. Uh, my personal office is even within an incubator. So uh, I, I, I see there's been a lot of growth that way. Uh, Lawrence Yoon. Oh yeah. So Lawrence Yoon brought the heat as he always does for our uh, commercial outlook. What were your top takeaways from uh, what's happening in the commercial space when it comes to the economy and, and what they see going forward? Well, the one thing I'd throw out is I think we all need to pay a little better attention to what's going on in the car industry. Uh, one of his speakers on his panel talked a lot about how that could affect the future of automobile production in the entire United States and that I, I think every electric car is manufactured somewhere else and the deals that are going on could push us more towards losing our manufacturers. So I think as a whole, we need to keep an eye on that. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that all gets worked out the best way, but 
Um, and then the other part was he did talk about, you know, recession. He, he compared other countries. Thought that was interesting that, you know, he said that, you know, China is experiencing some sort of recession right now. Germany was. There were other countries in these states, but felt that we were going to come out of it in the new year. Uh, kind of the current state we're at was going to improve. Uh, I'd ask you guys to kind of add to that. But. Andrew, go ahead. And then I'll. So um, just overall, looking at the landscape of, you know, even in the commercial world, you know, there's still the conversations about interest rates. And as we look at cap rates and, and what's going to be a good investment. And I loved, um, you know, being a, a, a resi Marshall agent myself that, you know, the, the one thing that they were saying is you have to be in relationship with the people you want to do business with. Like 2024 is set to be a great year and it starts now having the conversations, those business to business conversations, the relationship conversations sets you up to be the person who wins and earns the business in 2024. So I loved hearing the commercial people say exactly what we say in the residential world. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that, that that's kind of what I took away too, is that 2024 will be, you know, we'll be changing between now and, and when that really kicks off, but we expect some of these windfalls that are taking place in commercial too really help that market um, thrive through these adaptive, particularly through these adaptive processes. And then um, in addition to that, uh, Will had alluded to incubators. And I find that to be a very, um, that's been something that's been talked around our state for a very long time. And I know some smaller communities have, have found a way to Im implement those and they've seen where new businesses are taking off and ultimately fueling that retail uh, revival that you were talking about. Um, in addition to, um, kind of Andrea's points, I think um, the access to capital in the commercial spaces is definitely one of the talking points where, as you mentioned, cap rates start to be greatly impacted by if someone is having to finance, that interest rate is impacting exactly how that secondary number, the cap rate, uh, your return on your uh, potential return on your investment, that really starts to impact you where these cash buyers, the 1031 exchanges um, really start uh, making things, the numbers work better um, than if you're having to go finance something. So uh, it's interesting to see that balance of these new entrepreneurs being able to enter the, the retail because it's dropped in value, but people who are actually trying to buy or get involved in commercial investment large scale are having trouble gaining access to capital, which is kind of causing that um, uh, ebb and flow that we're currently feeling where something gets going and you're like, how did that get going? But something else that is, you know, got kickstarted, but now dropped funding and the program's dead uh, or the, the project's dead. Uh, it's just interesting to see what's, what's coming out winners and what's coming out losers right now. And I think we'll see this keep going through Q4 for the year, but the winners that come out and the people who have uh, assets currently, they're still going to be in a good position to find another investment vessel. You know, one thing I throw the in there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Will. Oh, uh, just uh, one of the great part about this conference is the networking opportunity. So, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with uh, realtors, commercial from all over the country, and it was interesting. One of the topics we talked about was this revitalization, and just like here in this side of the, you know, the eastern side of the state, uh, we're seeing vacancy in churches. Uh, because churches are combining for whatever reason. I know like in our area, the Catholic church has shut down a few buildings, um, some of their schools and things like that. So we're seeing revitalization within um, just some unique uses for churches. Some people are, the smaller ones are getting converted into homes. 
Um, and there's, uh, it's just kind of interesting what they're doing. Some of the larger ones have been like a mixed use type of thing. Uh, another, I believe he was from Texas and told me that they had turned one into a uh, shared workspace. Uh, it was, and it, it's supposed to be one of the neatest places to work just because of the architecture of the building. And I thought that was kind of, uh, it was one of the great parts about the conference is just really getting to talk to people from all over the country. Well, you see people getting creative. So thinking of that, that station of, of taking a, a growing area and, and then planting a really hot business there and then seeing how that whole area, the appreciation, you know, grows from there because you, you took uh, a creative, probably wild idea. And then you started in a place that may not have been an, like you would call class A space, but you created that because of what you put there. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Um, we had a, um, a breakfast session on 1031 exchanges and that was fantastic because it really reiterated what we do from a um, real, realtor political action standpoint to protect that 1031 exchange. And so as they're talking about budgets and, and of course, governments are looking at ways to, to save tax dollars. So they see it was funny because they talked about staffers who are, you know, sometimes 22, 23 years old. They look at the line item on the budget and they're like 1031 exchange. We could get rid of that and have lots of tax dollars. And yet they don't realize the impact of what shutting that down would do for that whole economy. Um, so I was able to grab a report that shows the financial benefits to an entire society using the 1031 exchange. So that and Lawrence Yoon's reports and all of that, we'll make sure we put those on the landing so that way yeah. you guys can get the benefit of, of us being able to be there and have presence at C5. Um, the C5 is also a global conference. Um, so we actually had great conversations with some of our, our members from Turkey. Um, that was a, a at our, our Missouri Realtor booth and throughout the United States. Um, also talking with somebody uh, from, man, where are they from? I think they're from Japan. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, people are traveling that far to this conference. Um, so great to, to be present and have those conversations. Um, all right. I, this has just been like the most like fast, awesome, jam-packed session and we're running out of time. I can't believe it. All right, guys, give me your like last few thoughts of your, your most impactful things from C5 Summit. I'll, I'll defer to Derek. Derek, you go first. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, like Will said, in a way, the, net, the networking was incredible. You're meeting uh, people who work with different classes of properties across commercial, um, different stages of their career. Uh, some are working with their uh, civic partners to develop, um, you know, low-income housing to make sure that that's in, in the right place for mixed-use um, style development. There's, um, you know, obviously zoning um, practices are massive when it comes to these type of economic development impacts. And so we need to make sure that um, our communities understand the impact of changing zoning uh, in a potentially negative way for um, development projects and making sure that the developments the code is in a zoning code is in a good place to assist those future type of um, uh, projects where we're getting mixed use, creating community through the type of unique project uh, Andrea was alluding to, where uh, you know it seems like a, a fairly far-fetched idea, and suddenly it's a, a staple to the community, and more people are wanting to move closer to it, uh, like attending it and that sort of thing. So whether it be a, a children's museum or a, a recreational space, whatever it might be, um, you know, encouraging and making sure zoning allows for those things to 
uh, bridge the gap in community and, and bolster your community. Uh, those were these types of grand ideas that I thought were really interesting. And when you pair that with some of the previous conversations we were having, whether it be involving capital or economic trends, um, I just think that um, what we need to do as realtors in our community is make sure uh, that we're providing the right information to uh, prospects who are looking to develop something in our area and being there to provide the right insights and data so that they can make good decisions and hopefully uh, improve our communities across our state. Hmm. Well, that, that was a great talking to people from across, like even when we were at MIPM talking to other countries that Missouri is in the center of the United States. So as far as shipping, as far as uh, rail, um, highway access, being able to have wide open spaces to have warehouses and distribution centers, we're the place to be. I mean, right. might be a little biased, but I think we're the place to be. <laughs> Sorry, Will. No, you're, you're yeah. completely right because we are, a, we are we are a transportation hub, you know, really when it comes to moving product across the country and the fact that we now have, you know, the money to fix Highway 70 and make it even a better highway, that's that's going to make us even more attractive to these companies. But I, if I kind of took off, if I take off my commercial output um, chair hat and look at it even as a realtor, a commercial realtor, what I would tell, I think we need to bring more of us to the party. Um, I would encourage other realtors uh, to come to this next year. Uh, the networking, something as simple as we did a, a walk one morning, there was a realtor run walk and you get to spend an hour having some really deep, great conversations, getting to know people, building those referral partners. Because the thing about commercial, it's not local. <laughs> uh, we always talk about, you know, certain things are local. The thing about commercial real estate, it's when you're in commercial, you're, you're nationwide. That's what you're looking at. And, you know, you work with these folks that are bringing people in. And I love being able to say, at least from St. Charles County, is that we're the fastest growing county in the state of Missouri. So there's great opportunity going on, population, all that good stuff. So I could kind of brag on exactly where I was from and the state in general, but I would encourage more realtors to come to this. Uh, you build uh, those relationships, you get to brag about our state and uh, essentially attracting more businesses and which creates more jobs and creates just a better atmosphere for our state overall. I love it. Well, thank you guys for investing your time and going to the C5 CCIM Summit. Um, we're we're going to put some notes on the landing for you with Lawrence Yoon's commercial update with some information um, for 1031 Exchange. And then we'll, we'll compile some of our other uh, top takeaways from this event. Um, and this has been Missouri Realtors Podcast. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>